What's up, everybody? I'm Bob Walters. This is the Locked Up Sports Weekend Wrap-Up Day 3 at the U.S. Open, highlighted by Coco Golf and Novak Djokovic. Venus embarrassed last night by a qualifier in primetime at the U.S. Open. Mets and Yankees waved goodbye to a few disappointing free agent signings. I'll tell you why watching college football this weekend will be a waste of your time. And Alex Cobb comes oh so close to a no-hitter. All that, plus we'll update you on the MLB playoff races next on Locked Up Sports Weekend Wrap-Up. What's up, everybody? Welcome inside the Brian Gunzel studio. I'm Bob Walters. Thank you for tuning in. We ask that you subscribe to the channel, like the like the video, and give us a rating. Just do it. It helps us out. It helps us out tremendously. Uh, let's start with, you know, Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb last night, San Francisco Giants, Cincinnati Reds in San Francisco, and he came as close as you can to come to a no-hitter without actually getting it. 26 no-hit-outs. He had a great play by his center fielder, Slater, to end the eighth inning, laid out, came running in as far as you can, laid out to make the catch, and that ended the eighth inning. And right there, I thought, I was sitting watching it, and as soon as he made that catch, I was like, oh, there's no way he's not going to get this. There's no way, right? And then he got the first guy in the ninth inning to fly out to right. He got the second guy in the ninth inning to fly out to right. Then he walked the batter took second on a fielder's indifference and then that left Spencer Steer was the only man left to get out and he hit a line shot into right center field just past the outstretched arm of the right fielder went all the way to the wall it blew his shot out it blew his no hit bid obviously uh he he was uh he did complete the game so it was his sixth complete game uh second this year his line was nine innings, one hit, one walk, one run, eight strikeouts. And you just hate to see that. I mean, with two, with two outs in the ninth inning, you, he got as close as you could get. I, I turned it on. I posted on Facebook. So if you want to blame me, you know, it is what it is. Um, as close as you could get. He pitched a brilliant game. He had his splitter working. His slider was working. Everything down in the zone, in the dirt. Hitters were fooled all night. But in the long run, it was a big win for the Giants, who are who are right on the heels of the NL wild card. They're right there. I think they're tied now with percentage points. We're going to go over that later. But you know, ugh, it sucks for for Alex Cobb because he had it. He had it. He was one out away. He did everything right, and Steer just you know he got he got one over the plate, and Steer just hit it the other way into right center field, and like I said, just past the outstretched arm. Of his right fielder, but the the play that Slater made at center field to end the eighth inning was one of the great catches of the year. Probably he came in and he took that thing off the ground. It could not have been any closer to a short hop into his glove. They reviewed it. It was a catch. It was a good catch. And like I said, right there, I thought there was no way he wasn't going to get the no hitter. Well, two outs in the ninth inning, a double, and there goes that. There goes the no hitter. So uh, we'll start with the Mets and Yankees as they. They placed a couple guys on the waiver wire yesterday. The Yankees, Josh Donaldson, finally, 
I mean, come on. Long, long overdue for, for Josh Donaldson. He was hitting a buck forty four. He's been inactive since July. They put him on the the in- injury list, the sixty day IL. So he was already done for the season. They put him on waivers. Why they put him on waiver? I mean, who knows? But he's going to clear the waiver wire because he's not going to. I can't. I can't imagine he's going to get claimed. So he'll be back on the Yankees. They owe him fifty million dollars. Fifty million. Josh Donaldson is set to collect. He was the MVP in 2015, and he just fell off a cliff when he got here to the Yankees. Fell off a cliff, especially this year. He was hitting 115. He was hitting 120, 110 for a long time this year. There was a point in the season where he had 15 hits and eight of them were home runs. So he had power. So when he when the pitcher made a mistake and Donaldson you know, connected with it, he ran into one. He did hit it over the wall. But he just could not hit. I mean, talk about a, a, an automatic out in your lineup. That was Josh Donaldson making you know a boatload of money. And they still owe him $50 million. So this is a big, big mistake, a big black mark on Cashman. And will Cashman go at the end of the year? I, I think he probably will. At this point now, I think I think Cashman and Boone are both going to probably go, regardless of what leaked out and what the Yankees said a couple weeks ago, that Cashman was safe. And then they came out just the other day, and they said that Cashman cannot fire Boone. He doesn't have the authority right now to fire Boone. And to me, that means that Cashman's gone. People were saying other things, but to me, if you're not going to let your GM fire the manager, which is part of his job, then that means you don't trust him to make moves like that. And if you don't trust him, why would you not trust him to make moves like that? Because you're going to get rid of him. And the Yankees are they're destined to finish in last place this year. They're destined to finish with under a 500 record for the first time in 30-something years. And like I've said before, nobody feels bad for the Yankees because finishing under 500 is something everybody does. Yankee fans, now you get to experience it. This is what a garbage team looks like. And they won last night in Detroit 4-2, to two, but again, irrelevant. Um, they also let go of Harrison Bader. Now, Bader, he found out, apparently, he found out that he was put on waivers, released by the Yankees uh, while eating lunch at his, at, his, at his home, saw it on TV. Is that right? I, I guess it's not right. I, I mean, I guess, you know, it should be a, a policy to let the players know before you leak anything out. And, and you can do that. There's no reason why the, the ESPN reporter has to find out before the player that he's been released, right? There's no reason why that should happen. They should call the player. Somebody in the front office, preferably the GM, should call the player and say, hey, listen, we're putting you on waivers. You know, thanks for your service, everything like that. They didn't do that. It leaked out. However, it leaked out. It it, it scrolled across the bottom of the screen and Josh Bader and uh, Harrison Bader, I should say, found out that way. So is that a big deal? To me, it's not. In, In this day and age with the internet and everything just cutthroat who gets it first that's going to happen from time to time so it is what it is but Bader is now on the waiver wire he will probably get picked up I would think probably by a a fringe playoff team right looking for an extra bat he's hitting 239 seven home runs 37 RBIs he's not terrible but obviously not what the Yankees were looking for when they picked him up in the trade for they traded uh, IKF they got IKF in the trade so I mean the Yankees are basically cutting bait with some of the bad mistakes that Cashman made, they're not letting Cashman fire the manager if he wanted to. So I th- all this, if you read the tea leaves, it says to me that, that Cashman is in trouble. And I, I there's something, someone's going to have to go. Right? They're going to finish in last place. This is an expensive team. 
They just gave Judge a whole bunch of years that's going to, you know, it already doesn't look great. But it's going to look bad on the back end. You know it is because all those contracts look bad on the back end. And they got rid of Josh Donaldson and they still got to pay him $50 million. $50 million. He's going to sit on his ass at home and collect $50 million. And then he's going to retire. Because nobody's going to take him. He's injured. He's got bad legs. He's old. He, he clearly can't hit. I mean, he's hitting a buck 44. What are you, you going to do? You know, how, how, how are you going to justify picking that up? Now, if a team wanted to pick up any of these players, as long as they do so before September 1st, which is, you know, two days from now, right? Two days, maybe tomorrow, whatever it is, whatever date it is. I never know. As long as they do it before September 1st, they, the player that they claim can be on their playoff roster. And the way it works is it goes from the worst team, the team with the worst record gets first bid, all the way up to the to the team with the best record. It goes backwards order like a draft. So we'll see who gets claimed. The Mets also got in on the releasing players. They got rid of Cookie Carrasco, and thank God, another disaster. A disaster signing from the Mets. He's owed only two and a half million because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So Carrasco if a team picks him up, we'll have to pay him the two and a half million, and then he's a free agent at the end of the year. His record is three and eight. He's six point eight ERA, almost a seven ERA. So I think it's the worst ERA in the National League. It's right up there with the, you know, with the Yankee with some of the Yankees pitchers. Then their ERA. So they've had Carrasco's been terrible. Every time he goes out, he's terrible. Every time he goes out, he's terrible. The Mets last night lost two to one. Uh, big win for the Texas Rangers. They needed it. Rangers are 3-7 and seven in their last 10, and they were fading a little bit. And this, Like I said before, if the Rangers don't make the playoff, it's a big, big failure. Because they went for it at the deadline. Scherzer, they, got a, they added a bunch of pieces. If they miss the playoffs, that's, that's a big disappointment for the Texas Rangers. So they got a big win last night out at City Field against the Mets, 2-1. Um, it wasn't a total loss for the Mets. Quintana pitched very well, six innings, six scoreless innings, so he's been good. He'll be part of this rotation next year. Vientos hit a home run. He hasn't he hasn't been hitting. I'll tell you what, who has been hitting and who I would think about keeping is DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart hits with power. He hits for a decent average. He's kind of a utility player. You could throw him anywhere in the outfield. I would dump Vogelback and take DJ Stewart as my fourth outfielder, DH, part-time DH, utility player next year and leave him on this team, give him a chance. The kid hits with, with some power. He's got he's got a good attitude. He looks the part. He's 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 a good ball player. He's perfect kind of utility guy, good guy on the bench, have him come up in a pinch hit situation. DJ Stewart, I would keep on this team next year. Will they do it? Who knows? I mean, who knows? I, for some reason, I feel like they love Vogelback. I don't know why, but for some reason, I feel like they do. Um, so that's the Mets and the Yankees. That's who got DFA'd. Um, the, the Angels, another team making news yesterday, and every time you bring up the Angels, it's just worse. They let go of uh, six players, a lot of them good players, Giolito, a bunch of good players. Some of the players they just got at the trade deadline, they are now releasing. The Angels are a complete mess. So if you're a Mets fan, you could look at the Angels and feel better about ourselves because they're just a disaster. Now, they did come in here and win two out of three against the Mets. I was at the game on Sunday, and let me tell you, the Mets going all out for Otani. 
Now, I don't know if this if that means anything. Are they going to make a play for him? Is Uncle Steve going to try and throw out throw throw a bunch of money at him because he threw everything else at him on Sunday and over the weekend? It was Taiwan night, I believe, or Taiwan day. It's a twelve o'clock start on Sunday, and they had you know they would show Tony standing ovations every time he came to the plate. It was they really rolled out the carpet for him. And you know they have the money. You know if they want to, they could outbid anybody. So we'll see what they do. The other news with the Mets is the Pete Alonso trade rumors. Now, how do I feel about the Pete Alonso? You know what? I'm either way, to be honest with you. I would be okay with trading him. I'd rather they don't trade him because he's homegrown. He's a he's a forty home run guy. You know he's a he's a face of the franchise type of situation. But if they were to trade him and get back a whole bunch, uh, like three or four good players with three or four big high-end prospects, I could live with it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's the end-all be-all if you trade Pete Alonso. Now, if Pete Alonso gets the deal and he, and he stays with the team and he's a, a lifetime Met, I do think he'll break all the records. I think by the time it's all said and done, he'll have, he'll probably be the best homegrown Mets player we've ever had. And another argument is, which is true, the Mets never keep any of their homegrown players, right? David Wright was the only one, and his career got cut short because of his back. Nolan Ryan they didn't keep, Tom Seaver they didn't keep, Gooden, Strawberry, any of them. Any of our best home uh, homegrown Mets have been traded away at some point. They never started their career as a Met, finished their careers as a Met, and that's what Pete Alonso has to do. Now, if you're going to trade Pete Alonso, you better do it this offseason. Because I don't want you to keep Pete Alonso, and then next year at the trade deadline, you trade him away as a rental, get you know nothing for him, because you've fallen out of it. Either you got to make the decision this winter: either you're going to keep Pete Alonso, or you're going to or you're going to get rid of him. Now, supposedly they're far away on the contract talks; they're not very close, but that that's fine. They have a, another year before it has to get done. I expect them to be far away. That that's how these things work. People are always far away on the contract deals. Until the last minute. It's an 11th hour thing. Oh, Everything gets done at the 11th hour. So as far as the fact that they're far away from each other and they're far apart on the numbers and the years, that, that's not a big deal to me. I think the Mets need to make a decision this offseason. Are we keeping Pete Alonso? Are we going to pay him the money? Or are we going to jettison with him and we're going we're gonna to trade him away and get a bunch of prospects? Either way, I'm okay with. I'm okay with either of those decisions. I'm not somebody who's strict. Oh, we can't trade Pete Alonso. I'm not somebody that's saying... You know, trade him. You have to trade him. I think either way, it'll be okay. I trust the Mets. I trust the Mets to make the right decision. I don't mind if you give him, if you overpay for him. I mean, we overpaid for Scherzer and Verlander, right? Dumped them off in a, in a year. So if you, that's why we got Steve Cohen, right? So we don't have to care if we overpay. Like, who cares if you overpay for Pete Alonso? It's not a big deal. It's not my money. It's not your money. Does it really matter if you overpay for him? That was the whole point. Steve Cohen. He's a Mets fan. He's got a ton of money. Overpay people. We don't have to worry about it. And if he overpays and the guy stinks, you could get rid of it and you could you could eat it no problem. And that's what they did with Scherzer. That's what they did with Verlander. That's what they're doing with Cano. They're still paying Cano $20 million a year. So there's that. Um, as far as the U.S. Open goes, day three at the U.S. Open today, Coco Goff is... Highlighting the day session with Novak Djokovic on Arthur Ashe. 
Goff will play a 16-year-old today in the 12 o'clock, the early, the early match on Arthur Ashe Stadium. Coco Goff, 19 years old American, will play Andriva, I believe is her name, 16 years old. And it's not going to be an easy match for Goff. Because this kid, this 16-year-old, has, has impressed every, every chance she's gotten. She got to the second week in, in, in a major. She got to the fourth round in Wimbledon, where Coco Goff beat her. Coco has played well against her and has had success against her. We'll see how she does this afternoon. And then after, following that on Ash is Novak Djokovic. He should have no, no issue. Tonight, you got Tiafu, the American, going. And then you got Caroline Wozniacki and uh, Kvitova which is kind of a throwback match to a couple of years ago, to big players from a couple of years ago. It should be a good match. Hopefully it's a better night than last night at the Open, because last night uh, last night was not good. It was not good if you had tickets. You did not really get your money's worth. You would have been better off buying, because now they sell the... They have other matches besides the, the center court at primetime. You could buy uh, Louis Armstrong seats. You could buy grandstand they also have a couple matches going on on the outer courts, and that was much better, much better bang for your buck last night as Venus Williams just went and embarrassed herself. Why they put Venus Williams on center court on primetime? Because it's Venus Williams. But she's, she's not Venus Williams, and she's no good, and it was a non-competitive match, and it was really you know, borderline embarrassing. She was playing a qualifier. Venus Williams playing a qualifier, lost 6-1, 6-1. And she was never in the match. Never. The second set was even worse than the first set. And it was just terrible tennis. The fans threw her a bone, I guess, because she's an American, because they love her. But it's over for Venus. I mean, someone's got to grab her and tell her that you've got to stop going, running yourself out there. Because this is just, it's, it's non-competitive tennis. And for the USTA to put her on primetime and have that match and have her embarrass herself like that... On national TV, in front of the whole country, prime time, a U.S. Open on Arthur Ashe Court is just not right. It's not right to the people who are watching. It's not right to the people who bought tickets. And it's not right to Venus, who clearly, does by her comments after the match, does not even realize how bad she played. Her comments were, I didn't play badly, I was just unlucky. Really? Because that was pretty bad. 6-1-6-1 to a qualifier who had to play three matches last week just to get into the main draw of the tournament and then she goes on Arthur Ashe court for her first time and she wipes the court with you runs you right off the court in front of your home crowd somebody's got to grab Venus and say listen it's over it's over you're going to tarnish your career this is what people are going to remember as long as if you keep doing this she's 43 years old that's older than me now I think I can get out there and win a couple of rounds but <laughs> No, but but she she's an old lady. Like she's forty two years old. Give me a break. You can't be playing these. Coco Golf is playing a sixteen year old today. Venus is out there forty three, losing six one six one to qualifiers. It's over. It's over. And then in the second match last night was um, Alcaraz, the world number one. Was he was going to win that match over his opponent six six. Points into the match, the guy, his opponent rolls his ankle. It's basically over right there. He gets it wrapped up, but he, he kind of toughed it through the first set into the second set where he ended up uh, retiring. But 
you know, you got to feel bad for him. The kid, the guy probably, he, he's apparently had a bunch of injuries. He's worked his way back. He got to play on, on the show court, primetime, U.S. Open, and, you know, you roll your ankle six points into the match is not really what you want to do. So a lot going on at the U.S. Open. That gets started in just a little while. Day three, round two, today at the Open. Um, like we said, get, get some tickets. Get yourself out there. I haven't gone out there yet. I plan on going hopefully later this week. Possibly the weekend, possibly early next week. I like to go during the quarterfinal round. I think that's my that's my favorite. Go to the primetime quarterfinals. You get a men's and women's quarterfinal. And, you know, there's going to be some good quarterfinals this year. The Americans are playing well, besides Venus, of course. So there's all that. Um, college football officially gets going this week. I know there were a couple games last week. They were, you know, on walkovers. But don't get too excited about it this week. Listen. <laughs> these games that these teams schedule are the travesty. I'm going to read you some of the games and some of the, the, the point spreads in a minute. But you got to be kidding me with some of these teams that, that they play. I get it. There's no preseason. You've been practicing. You've only been practicing with yourself. You don't get to warm up and play any preseason games. But come on. Nobody wants to see these games. There's the LSU-Florida State game, which will be a good game if they play it because you got the Hurricanes slamming into to northern Florida right now. So who knows if that game's going to even go on. That's the big game. The other big game, that's the, the ABC big game. The ESPN night game is Clemson-Duke, which would be good if it was a basketball game, but it's not. And it sounds a little bit better, and I get it. It's an ACC game. That game has to get played, and that's fine. But here's a, some, of the, some of the lineup for your college football Saturday this week. And it, I'm not going to be watching any of these games because it's outrageous. And you can't even bet on them because you don't know. When point spreads are this high and this ridiculous, you're talking like 40-point spreads, stuff like that. You can't bet on that. You have no idea. So you got uh, Eastern Carolina, a 35-and-a-half-point underdog in the big house against number 2 Michigan. Tennessee State visits South Bend to play Notre Dame. Arkansas State, a 36-and-a-half-point underdog against Oklahoma, number 20 in the country. You got Utah State at Iowa. Mercer at Mississippi State. Buffalo, a 38-and-a-half-point underdog at Wisconsin, number 19 in the country. Middle Tennessee State, 39-and-a-half-point underdog at Alabama, number 4 in the country. Rice visits Texas. Tennessee Martin will try and end Georgia's bid for a third straight in the national championship between the hedges at Georgia as they are a 35.5-point underdog between the hedges this weekend at Georgia. Nevada at USC. Nevada is a 38.5-point underdog at number 6 USC. And SEMU, S-E-M-O, no idea what school that is. That, all capitals, S-E-M-O. Southeast Missouri is what I'm guessing, right? Or Southeast, yeah, it's something like that. That's what I'm guessing is what the school is, but it's SEMU, S-E-M-O, at number 16, Kansas State. And then you got the LSU-Florida State game, which is a good game, which is, listen, I'm going to watch that game. But all these other games, like, you got to be kidding me. Nobody wants to watch that, and I get it. It's a money grab for the schools that are that are visiting, for the smaller schools, because one, they get to be featured on, on national television or on the, 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 the ACC network or the SEC network. 
something like that with a Big Ten network. You get to be featured. You get a game in national TV, stuff like that. And they get a boatload of money to come and play them, which, okay, I get why you do it. But the big schools to even schedule these games, they're walkovers. I don't want to see a 40-point you know, game. And you can't, like I said, you can't even bet on that. Because what are you going to, you're going to bet and it's going to be like, oh, you know, they're up 38 and a half, they're up 38 points and you're laying 40 and a half. I mean, come on. It's outrageous. And, and it, it really goes for this week and next week. They, they'll only throw the, they, the only reason is this LSU Florida State game is because ABC wants a good game. ABC's not putting Middle Tennessee against Alabama on primetime. Nobody's going to watch it. I say nobody's going to watch it, but it probably get unbelievable ratings. And people in Alabama are going to fill that stadium. They're going to fill Brian Den- Denny Stadium. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to go going crazy as they beat Middle Tennessee thirty-eight to three. That's what it's going to be. I mean, come on, nobody wants. To, I don't want to watch that. If you want to watch that, if you, God bless you. If you could sit down and watch a, a Alabama, Middle Tennessee, or if you could watch Arkansas State and Oklahoma, I mean. <laughs> And I know, yeah, I know people are going to say every once in a while, there's, you know, there's the Appalachian State, Michigan. And that, yeah, that, that, that has happened in the past, but they do this every year. There's 50 of these games every year. And that happens once a decade. So the, the odds are not very good that you're going to get one of those this year or on Saturday. So that, it's just another thing with college football. It really is. And I want to like college football, and I do like college football when it's a, when it's a good game. When it's two schools, it's a rivalry, it's a conference game, it means something. But these games, these are unwatchable games. And like I said, God bless you. If you could sit down and watch Mercer and Mississippi, God bless you. Because I'm not doing it. I'm not wasting my Saturday. There's not many nice Saturdays left. We're heading into the fall. It's going to start getting crappy weather. It's going to be cold. I'm not wasting a nice Saturday watching Mercer and Mississippi. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm, a, I'm I'm an outlier here. I don't know. But, man, those are some bad games. Now, quickly, let's uh, update you on the playoff picture in Major League Baseball. Um, let's see here. The wild card, you got, uh, you got the Phillies. In the National League, you got the Phillies, the Cubs, and the Giants. So you're three. Right now, are you three? Wildcard teams, if it starts today, they are in. Just on the outside, you got Arizona half game back. Cincinnati two games back. So that was a big loss last night for Cincinnati. Forget about the breaking up the no-hitter and everything like that. That, that was a game that they need to win. They're two games back at the Giants for the third wildcard spot. You got the Marlins, who seem to be fading. They are three back, and then it gets the distance. You got San Diego seven and a half back. So really the only teams vying for the, the playoffs in the wild card in the National League are going to be Arizona, Cincinnati, Miami, Philadelphia, Chicago, and San Francisco. Those are the teams. Now, the Cubs won a one nothing game last night, or yesterday afternoon, okay? Steele got his 15th win. They scored a run in the first inning. There was nothing the rest of the way. They won a one nothing pitcher's duel. They are now one game back in Milwaukee. They play them. They play another series, I believe, next week. So they play them again tonight. They could draw even. So big crowds at at Wrigley, and the, the Cubs look. Give the Cubs credit. All right, they decided to go for it at the deadline. They were about four or five back. They made they made the choice to go for it, and now they 
They're right there in the thick of it. In the American League, we have your three wild cards are Tampa Bay is the first wild card. Seattle, who's just been playing out of their mind for the last month, they've ringing off 10-game win streaks like it's nothing. They're now 8-2. Uh, and two. They lost yesterday, though, to the Oakland A's, which is, uh, man, you'd be kicking yourself if you missed the playoffs by a game or two, and, and you look back and, and see last night a 3-1 loss to the A's, who, you know, are 38 games behind you in the standings. So Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Texas are your three wild cards right now. Texas, just percentage points ahead of Houston. In the wild card race. So that these games with the Mets the, this week, that was a huge win for the Rangers yesterday. A huge win. Then, just outside that, and it's not as tight as the National League. You got Toronto, who's 4-6 and six in their last 10, 3.5 out. And you got the Red Sox, who are also 4-6 and six in their last 10. They are 6.5 out. So the Red Sox are right on the cusp of, of falling out of it. I'd say they're probably out of it at this point. 6.5 is a lot to make up, although they don't have as many teams to jump. It's doable. It's not likely for the Red Sox. And then you obviously go down. you got Cleveland and, and the Angels, which are 12 and a half out. So forget about those teams. So that's what's going on in baseball. Um, quickly, I'd like to uh, – we, we introduced a new quick segment. Uh, I put it on Facebook. We put it on YouTube. It's called uh, Locked Up Sports Quick Hits. It's going to be videos, three minutes and under, just audio. Uh, they're going to be rants and stuff. We, we did one on Venus earlier today. I put it up this morning. Um, if you've seen it, you know, like it, check it out. Like I said, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Don't forget to give us five stars on the podcast, Yahoo, uh, Yahoo, Amazon or, or Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Don't forget to write us a, a, a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. So, and we're always here, you know, if you want a shirt or something like that, just shoot me an email, shoot me a DM on Facebook, Instagram, you know, any of those. We're on all of them. TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing on TikTok, but we're on TikTok, okay? <laughs> um, that's going to do it for us. That's going to do it for the weekend wrap-up. We got the NFL coming up. It's cut day. I know it's cut day in the NFL. I, I'm not going to go over that. We're going to do a whole football thing this week coming up. We got this weekend, and then next Thursday, it's all we get going with the regular season. So we're going to do a... a between now and next Thursday, there will be Jets and Giants shows preview put out there. I don't know exactly when they're going to be put out, but they will be out there before the start of the NFL season. Giants Sunday night opening week, Jets Monday night opening week. So, uh, you know, it's about to get going. So we're, we're, I'm excited for that. We're going to do also an NFL, a full NFL preview with Mark Mancini next Tuesday. He's going to be with us the full hour. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, that does it for us here today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you on Saturday with the full episode of Locked Up Sports. We'll talk to you Saturday, everybody. I'm Bob Walters. See ya. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.